Joining us here in the studio for the news briefing is Hun Ji-un. Good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. Well, Ji-un, I hope you enjoyed your Buddha's birthday holiday uh, yesterday. Uh, of course, it was a uh, time to uh, take a break. Some people perhaps went to the temples and mm-hmm. did the various uh, commemoration ceremonies to that end. A lot of uh, kids out because school was not in session, so we had some gatherings in the parks. I was able to enjoy some time with my uh, kids as well. Very beautiful uh, Mm -hmm. weather uh, all along. However, it does highlight one thing that's going on. We're getting closer to the summer. It is outdoor weather. Uh, We have these public holidays, and inevitably you see a lot of crowds, Mm -hmm. which... In this time of age, now you automatically wonder, I wonder how that's going to affect the uh, new infection rate. So what are the numbers saying? Right. So we'll have to wait a few days to see how yesterday's gatherings have affected the number of confirmed cases. But yesterday, the country reported 654 cases, which is up from 528 the day before. Now, of the 654 new cases, 637 were locally transmitted cases and 17 were imported cases. The total now stands at 133,471. Yesterday, unfortunately, we saw quite an increase in the number of COVID-related deaths. Eight more people died and the death toll now stands at 1,912. Breaking down the numbers by region, this is no surprise anymore. Seoul, Gyeonggi and Incheon accounted for more than half of the daily caseloads, with Seoul reporting 249, Gyeonggi 163 and Incheon 23. Inoculation is also well on its way, but the progress is pretty slow and we'll still have a very long way to go here in Korea. In most provinces, inoculation rate, and that is for the first shot only, remains um, at single-digit figures. For instance, Seoul's inoculation rate is 6.39%, Gyeonggi 6.05%, and Incheon 6.24%. Sejong has the lowest inoculation rate with 5.52%, while South South of Cholla has the highest progress rate with 12.32%. Right. So you can somewhat see sort of reflected in the numbers how people are enthusiastic about getting the vaccines Mm -hmm. and also how um, perhaps uh, we still, as you say, have a long way to go. We'll talk more about the vaccine supply issues. As we mentioned, uh, there is going to be a a major development on that front expected after the uh, President Moon, President Biden summit later on over the weekend. But let's talk about inoculations for the uh, elderly. As we are now ramping down closer and closer to the younger age groups, reservations for people over the age of 60 began this month. And I suppose we should be a little bit cheered now because of all the fear-mongering that has been going on and all the skepticism and and a lot of the, quite frankly, uh, fake news that has abounded. We are seeing some pretty high numbers of um, participation rates. And We're hoping that that is going to be the case, especially as we get to the younger groups, right? Yes. So elderly between the ages of 60 and 74, uh, people with serious chronic respiratory diseases and teachers and caretakers at kindergarten, daycare and elementary schools can apply for early vaccination. Application for elderly between the ages of 70 and 74 started early this month, uh, that is on the 6th of May. And according to KDCA, vaccine reservations 
activation rate for this age group is 62.4% as of midnight yesterday, which is pretty high. A reservation for people between ages 65 and 69 started on the 10th of this month, and their application rate stands at 54.7%. Application rate uh, for people between age 60 and 64 uh, are somewhere around 38%, and the application started on the 13th of this month. So far, around half of those eligible for early vaccination made their uh, reservation, which is some 4.75 million people. Now, Son Young-ne, a key official at the KDCA, said that vaccines have proven to be effective in containing cluster infections as he cited a number of cases. And one of that is, uh, he said, a nursing hospital in Songnam, Gyeonggi, reported 12 confirmed cases and all 12 have not gotten their vaccinations yet, while the rest in the hospital who are fully vaccinated did not catch the virus at all. He urged elderly to hurry up and schedule their vaccination since they would have to wait for their turn for quite some time if they missed their turn this time around. Yeah, and so very key point there with your anecdote about this uh, nursing hospital in Songnam because a lot of people feel, well, what is this vaccine going to do, right? And, mm-hmm. and they go, oh, I, I'm scared about the side effects, but does this really cure me from the disease? Well, yes and no. It doesn't necessarily 100% foolproof guarantee that you're not going to get the COVID-19 mm-hmm. vaccine, but you can see the overall societal effects that if a mass of people get vaccinated, then you don't see as um, severe uh, cluster infection outbreak, like Mm -hmm. let's say after the Taeguki rally when there was no such thing as a vaccination program and how quickly uh, the virus spread. So if you have enough percentage of the population vaccinated, you're just quite frankly, not going to have enough room for the vaccine to grow and eventually it will die out. And that is the hope Mm -hmm. here. Uh, These uh, reservation rates are high. You mentioned the elderly groups at 62% and then 65s at 54% and then 60s at 38%. So people might misunderstand, say, oh, uh, they're, they're less participatory in the younger race. No, it's just that the programs have not been as long running yes. and therefore the percentages are lower. So as the percentages uh, gain because more and more people are getting notified and starting to make their reservations, you will see uh, more reservations being made. That being said, not everybody is showing up on their times. And I I know that you've also been aware of this. A lot of younger people are taking advantage of the Mm so-called no-show vaccines. So if you have a local uh, area where you're in your neighborhood and they are giving out the vaccines and you get... Uh, figured out that there are no-show vaccines available, you can quickly go over there and Mm -hmm. get a jab of that vaccine that was no-show. And so we're seeing a lot of younger people, especially those who want to travel overseas or whatever, have been able to take advantage of that. So it's something else that you should uh, keep in mind. And also it's great because it makes sure that uh, none of these vaccine supplies Mm -hmm. go to waste. Now, Speaking of then the, the supply issue, uh, we want to make sure everyone gets vaccinated. We want to make sure there's enough vaccines to go around. A lot of countries are struggling with securing supply. There is some good news on that front, though, because um, you might have uh, uh, some of this uh, type of vaccine. You might some, uh, have some of that vaccine, but maybe not enough for the entire population. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a slang would be uh, there is a potential jampong method mm-hmm. here that you can mix uh, various vaccines 
A Spanish study found that if you mix the Pfizer and the AstraZeneca shots, not only is it safe, but it's actually effective. Yes, uh, and not only that, Spain's Public Health Commission has approved the use of Pfizer vaccines as second shots for people under 60 who have received AstraZeneca vaccines as their first dose. A study by the Spanish government's Carlos III Health Institute found that mixing and matching AstraZeneca and Pfizer vaccines is both safe and effective. In fact, the study found mixing the two drugs could provide greater protection against the virus Hmm. uh, because the neutralizing antibodies in the people who received a second dose of the Pfizer vaccine after their first AstraZeneca dose increased sevenfold compared to those who received just one AstraZeneca dose. This is also even higher than when both shots were administered using AstraZeneca vaccines. Side effects were also relatively mild in those who received the uh, the so-called AZ Pfizer combo shots. The, uh, no serious medical treatments were needed, and 1.7% of those people who received mixed shots reported side effects such as headaches, muscle aches, um, and fatigue, which are all very pretty common mm-hmm. side effects for all vaccines. This is not the first time a country has approved the use of mixed vaccines. Uh, last month, Germany and France in fact allowed people who received their first dose of AstraZeneca shots to receive either Pfizer or Moderna shots for their second doses. Korea's KDCA also announced that the country's National Institute of Health is currently running a research on the mixing and matching of different drugs to increase the safety of inoculation. Son, a key official at the KDCA, explained that although mixing two different vaccines hasn't been scientifically proven, new findings are being discovered inductively based on actual data. He said because the history of COVID vaccines isn't long, the process of of verifying and proving the method is being done simultaneously as we actually inoculate people. He added the Spanish study is one good example of how this is being done and that Korea should keep a close eye on these studies. Yeah, so again, early on, and you're not just necessarily going to jump into (laughs) mixing Mm -hmm. all the vaccines together into some kind of cocktail, (laughs) but it, it is interesting and it is compelling that these vaccines are similar enough that they work together in in conjunction and you're not going to have any ill effects. If anything, Mm -hmm. it is actually quite effective to do so. But it also, again, puts to lie this media fear-mongering that's been going on, at least in Korea, where it is the the luxury, uh, wonderful vaccine being Pfizer and then this Mm -hmm. horrible, evil, gross, low-class vaccine being AstraZeneca. If that's really the case, then how could you have these two (laughs) vaccines be able to kind of combine and work Mm -hmm. together so well? Can't, there can't be too much difference between these two. And so uh, don't give in too much to the fear-mongering. Once again, make an informed decision on your health as to these vaccines. But realize that uh, if you're able to do so and you're healthy enough to do so, uh, doing so will help not only yourself but the entire country. Mm-hmm. Let's talk politics now. The main opposition People Power Party yet to elect its party chief, but we got the preliminaries, the primaries uh, upcoming 
And it's going to be interesting. We've got some big names announcing mm-hmm. their candidacy. Yes, and one of that is former floor leader Na Kyung-won. She's expected to announce her candidacy later today, sometime around 10 um, in the morning. Former member of the Supreme Council Lee Jun-seok will also make his candidacy official uh, later today. With the two joining, there are now 10 PPP lawmakers running for the party chief preliminary race. And according to a public poll, is expected to be a three-way race between Na, Lee, and former floor leader Chu Ho-young. And the three are showing um, approval rating somewhere between 10 to 20 percent, followed by first-time lawmaker Kim Ung. Only five of these contenders will make it past the preliminary, and the decision will be made by party members and the public, uh, and that will be 50 to 50, which means even if you are a heavyweight lawmaker with very strong backing by fellow lawmakers, if you're not popular among the public, you may not even make it past the preliminary. This is why there are talks over possible consolidations, even between heavyweights, uh, not to mention, obviously, between Lee and first-time lawmakers. or the younger lawmakers in PPP. Yeah, and the reason why this has garnered so much attention is that it has been now kind of um, pitted to be the old boys or the uh, old generation versus the new younger generation mm-hmm. of conservatives. And so we have Lee Jun-seok and maybe prior to him, uh, Kim u n g who came into the race as a first-time lawmaker uh, going up against these old guys like uh, Ju Ho-young, Na Kyung-won, um, and um, some of the others that probably won't make the list, but Hong Moon-pyo and Jang mm-hmm. Young-tae. As you say, they are political heavyweights. They might actually have some standing among the party members, but they might not really have... They, they may, they're not even registering on the public polling. So if mm-hmm. it's going to be 50-50, that's going to be a very big hit for them. So as you say, some consolidation is ongoing. It is a pretty exciting race, you got to say. And we're going to talk much more about this later on during our TM Views segment. So stay tuned for that. Let's talk about uh, the politics as it relates to prosecutorial reform. So the confirmation hearings are set uh, uh, for the prosecutor general position. Now we got some back and forth and arguments over it uh, in regards to Kim Osu. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the discontent um, is over. Not the nominee itself this time, but Mm -hmm. in the process of the whole confirmation hearing. PPP sought to summon former Justice Minister Cho Guk, Secretary for Civil Affairs for Changwade, Lee Gwangchul, and former Justice Minister Park Sang-gi, and a number of other witnesses as witness to Prosecutor General nominee Kim Osu's confirmation hearing. The ruling DP, however, refused the witnesses, and PPP lawmakers are now angry at how the ruling DP Mm -hmm. is trying to throw a meaningless confirmation hearing. PPP lawmaker representative Cho Soo-jin, also a member of the Legislation and Judiciary Committee, said confirmation hearing is one of the key tools for the parliament to use to keep the government in check. She added that 32 ministerial-level officials were appointed without the opposition's consent under the Moon administration so far. She said the government might as well just scrap the confirmation hearing or do an overhaul. The ruling DP refused to adopt Cho as a witness as he's currently being tried. And as for Park, the refusal was due to his relations uh, to a case that's being investigated by the CIO, uh, known as the Corruption Investigation Office. For Lee, it was because he's currently being investigated. Yes, and 
a lot of people, as we uh, talked about yesterday, were wondering, wow, it looks like the opposition actually uh, made a, a concession here because they were fighting about the uh, Judiciary Committee chairman spot, and we thought they were going to take this uh, nomination hostage, but they allowed the confirmation hearing date to be set. And he said, oh, they're being nice guys here. Mm-hmm. No, they really wanted to show uh, very politically, in a big way, kind of a lot of muscling that would have gone on and to invite these very high-profile witnesses to, again, uh, throw some more mud at the wall and mm-hmm. create a big, big fuss over the Kim Osu nomination, including putting in figures like Cho Guk and, and attacking him mercilessly. But Um, Obviously, with the uh, chairmanship and the rules uh, not allowing that at this stage, uh, there is certainly going to be some discontent being expressed there. One of the other aspects of prosecutorial reform uh, was, of course, the establishment of Gongsucho, which is the uh, CIO, as it's colloquially known in English. A lot of controversy over their first case being the one on Cho Hyun, the uh, sole education superintendent, Mm -hmm. which didn't seem to be big enough to really be the first high-profile case. But... Looking into this, it looks like they have actually been uh, investigating other things for quite some time, including this uh, first prosecutor-related case. Yes, the CIO decided to look into prosecutor Lee Gyu-won, who is facing allegations that he made bogus reports on his interview with Yoon Jung-chan, a key person of interest involved in a corruption case uh, involving former Vice Justice Minister Kim Hagi as well. Now, Lee is also facing allegations that he had published facts of suspected crime to the media at the time. The case was first reported to the CIO by the Seoul Central District Prosecutor's Office in March, and some had suspected that the CIO has been sitting on this case for months uh, without making any progress. But it turns out that the office had already assigned a case number to the case and notified the prosecution that an investigation on the case has in fact kicked off. The case has officially now become the CIO's first prosecutor-related case. Uh, in fact, Kim jin head of CIO, had earlier mentioned that the case ha- can be investigated by the office. Excuse me. <clears throat> can be is- investigated by the office. The CIO, however, hasn't summoned Lee or nor, nor initiated a compulsory investigation yet. The CIO and prosecution seem to be having a bit of disagreement, though, in how to interpret a clause on the of, uh, in the CIO's duty to notify the prosecution, as the prosecution wasn't happy about how the CIO notified the prosecution uh, with the whole Lee's case. Yeah, and then you see how the prosecution gets upset about all of these things and, of course, are going to be fighting for uh, the turf for their uh, power. So, in some ways, maybe you think the CIO did this high-profile, hey, Cho Hyun is going to be our first target, and everyone's like, what? Why Why is that? And then everyone's disappointed. But then behind the scenes, very quietly, they're going uh, mm-hmm. after in these other cases, which is dealing with a prosecutor, and perhaps that was the tactic all along. Final story, cryptocurrency, big news these days, but the legal regulatory sort of framework is non-existent still. But the ruling DP lawmaker Kim Byung-wook now believes it is time to address this issue once and for all. Yes, uh, Representative Kim submitted a bill proposing institutionalizing the virtual assets industry to the National Assembly so that the country can punish unfair trade of virtual assets as well. He said blockchain technology and virtual asset transactions can no longer be overlooked and that the National Assembly and the government should proactively respond to this 
worldwide trend. He also said, in order to set the right policy direction for the industry, we should understand the potential of the technology and the industry and not just see this uh, industry as speculative uh, industry behavior as, as a whole. His proposed bill also includes a basis for providing support for blockchain uh, research and development. It also includes articles on mandatory information verification processes, ban on u n f r a n transactions, and etc. He said the spirit of the bill is to protect the investors while letting the free market run the industry. Uh, meanwhile, Bitcoin tumbled below $40,000 for the first time since February uh, after the People's Bank of China banned financial institutions uh, from facilitating cryptocurrency transactions as a whole. In its statement, it also warned investors against speculative crypto trading, which seriously, uh, quote, infringes on the safety of people's property and disrupts the normal economic and financial order, uh, end of quote. Right. Right. Uh, are you investing in any of these cryptocurrencies? No, no? thankfully not. <laughs> well, yeah, let me tell you, it's a, it's a huge, big roller coaster ride. And as you say, a lot of investors just feel completely unprotected. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's maybe your fault for going into something that you shouldn't do. So, mm-hmm. however, some lamakas do believe that there does need mm-hmm. to be some kind of protections in place. So, we'll see how all of that develops uh, as uh, this, of course, is the Wild West of investing right now. All right, June, as always, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoy your weekend, and we will see you next week. Thank you for having me.